Welcome back to Lumber Talks, NLBMDA's public policy podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Payne, President and CEO. Today, we are excited to have Russ Catherine, CEO of Alexandra Lumber and NLBMDA's chair-elect, join us to discuss his career in the LBM industry, his thoughts on leadership, and the future of NLBMDA. Russ, thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. Can you go ahead and start by sharing with our listeners a little bit about yourself and maybe share some of your interests outside of the lumberyard? Well, my name is Russ Catherine. I am 56 years old, and I've been in this industry good portion of my life. Um, I currently live in Geneva, Illinois, which is outside Chicago, and I work in Aurora. I am the president and CEO of Alexander Lumber. We are a multi-yard location with 10 locations and two trust plants, do about $100 million in sales. Uh, me, myself, uh, I like to scuba dive. I like to fish. I like to do outdoor things, travel, um, enjoy getting to kind of exotic places and checking things out that maybe it's not a normal run-of-the-mill kind of place to go. So that's me in a nutshell. Have you gone to anywhere recently? Uh, I was in Spain, in southern Spain this winter, oh, wow. but and I'll be going to Denmark in August. But the um, year before, I was in the Bob Marshall Wilderness in Montana, which was really an amazing place to go. And the year before that was down in Patagonia, which is an absolutely incredible place to go. Out of all the places you've been to so far, do you have a favorite? I think everything has different things to be favorite about. Patagonia was actually stunningly beautiful. Um, the Bob Marshall Wilderness, you, did, you just can't imagine that there's that kind of wilderness right in the you know, contiguous 48 states. Um, Denmark, I lived in as an exchange student. They have the friendliest people in the world, so I try to get back there as much as I can. Awesome. Well... Why don't you tell us a little bit about what is a typical day for you at Alexander Lumber? Well, I think the most important thing from my perspective is driving the strategy of the company. So I'm trying to figure out where we need to be, you know, next year and looking and trying to keep the eye out in the future, but at the same time, watching the dials and the gauges and seeing what's going on locally or what's going on immediately. Typically, a day comes in, I'm checking my emails, I usually have some meetings. Weeks start off with our meeting day, and we talk with various departments and see what's going on and problem solve, but um, no one day is the same for me. How far do you look out towards the future? Do you have a strategic plan, like a three-year, four-year? Or... Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, we're working on it, and I'll be presenting it to our board in two weeks. Wow, excellent. And can you tell us a little bit about that process? Um, do you collaborate with your, your staff and other locations? Well, it, it's interesting because I was, I was talking with one of my sales managers, and he was saying that he was struggling thinking of the strategic plan. I said, well, that's, you know, a salesman's working week to week on, on their business. A manager might be thinking month to month. A sales manager, you need to be thinking almost quarter to quarter. And it's, it's natural that you're not going to be thinking that far in the future, but that's why we all have different roles within the company. Now, for me, you know, I need to be the one leading the effort of thinking, okay, you know, not only what do we want to be or what do we want to be this year, what do we want to be next year and how do we want to look in, in three years? So uh, you don't want everybody looking and doing that, but everyone's kind of got their role. They got to play in terms of defining the strategy and then implementing it. Absolutely. And how did you start your career in the lumber industry to begin with? Well, there's an old saying that you're either born in the industry or you fall into the industry. And I was actually born into the industry. My um, father had a 
lumber yard in Chicago and my brother still runs it to this day. And so I worked in it as a kid and during high school and college. Now when I got out of college, I had a finance degree. I went to work for NCR Corporation. So I did get out of the industry for a couple of years, but then eventually came back. And what brought you back to the industry after that hiatus? Uh, I had the chance to buy my family's business with my brother. And we, uh, we ran it for eight years. And then I wanted to go a little bigger and do some different things. And he didn't. So I let him kind of take it over. And I went to work for a couple of the big companies in the industry, 84 Lumber. I got to work directly for the founder, Joe Hardy. Went to work for BMC West and then ProBuild. So got to, got to kind of ex- move all around the country. Moved 12 times in 20 years. From your experience, what has been the most rewarding part of working in this industry? Uh, it's the people. It's, it's really, there's just a lot of really good people in this industry. Even when you meet people you don't like, you rarely meet people that you hate. You might meet people that you don't quite hit it off with or you don't quite understand. But the common denominator is they're really, really good people and they're, they're generally pretty pretty honest and true to their word and want to do the right thing. And it's not a cutthroat kind of business very often. I mean, you run across some people like that, but the people as a whole are, are it's a really good industry and it's a small industry. I know that leadership is a passion of yours. Can you share some of your thoughts around what makes a good leader and perhaps share some tips for those coming into leadership positions in the industry? Well, you know, it's something I got interested in because I got to get exposed to so many different styles of leadership at big companies, um, running my own company at a really young age, you know, bought it at a 26, and uh, then getting to work for a guy like Joe Hardy, who founded 84 Lumber, and getting to work for some of the people that ran BMC and ProBuild. Um, I got to see a lot of different leadership styles, and some good and some bad. And just, you know, you always learn things that you want to take with you and things that you make sure you're never going to do. I, I would probably say that the number one rule for leadership is lead the way you want to be led. Think about now that might not always be true. Sometimes some people like to be micromanaged, other people don't. But I think if you do the litmus test and you're trying to lead somebody a way that you would absolutely hate to be led, there's probably a problem there. And uh, we all fall in that trap. We think there's a certain way to do it. A lot of times when you're in your first real leadership positions, you kind of fall into maybe a more of a military chain of command kind of leadership style. And it's, you got to find your own style, but find one that you, you know, work, be a person that you would want to work for. That's great advice. I appreciate that. And Russ, I, I recently saw that you had an article in the LBM journal on the topic of leadership. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, it, it was interesting. It started off. I, I did a presentation at one of the mag or one of the meetings for LBM Journal, LBM Strategies, and then I got asked if I do a commentary article. And I just pick leadership because it's something I'm passionate about. And they got a good response, and they asked if I'd be willing to do a, a regular column. And at first, I'm like, "Gee, what do I write about?" And I just thought, "Boy, at this point in my career, I've got I've made so many mistakes and." seen so many mistakes that why don't I try and share it and see if I can help people not have to learn the same lessons that I have. So I usually try and pick a topic that's um, usually I have a saying about, and then I try to just kind of share examples of what happened, what was successful or what wasn't successful. And it's gotten a really good response. It, you know, I was a little, little nervous when I first did it, but I get a lot of, a lot of response from people I knew in the industry who see something. I get response when an article hits home and it's funny, the thing that I sometimes I'll go, oh, and this one's going to really hit home with people. It kind of does. Then other times I don't think it's going to. And boy, people write me up and they're like, boy, this really was 
was spot on or this happened to me or tell me the rest of the story what happened. So it's just a lot of fun. I, I enjoy it quite a bit and I hope it helps people. As a thought leader, do you have any advice for young professionals trying to make their start in the LBM industry? I think it is an absolutely great time for a young person to get in our industry. Um, it's it's always been a little bit of an unsung industry, and I don't think it's a unglamorous industry. I think there's some great parts about it, but it's uh, it's not typically something that people put on their on their uh, career desires when they're trying to think of what they want to do when they grow up. But just through circumstances, when the great industry depression of 2008 hit our hit our industry, we had to let a lot of people go. And, and I, I, I say we ate our seed corn. And for those of you not familiar with the concept, you save some seeds over for the next and fall for the next year to plant so you have crops. Well, we didn't, you know, we had to let a lot of people go. Maybe we let go our trainees, maybe we let go our 20 somethings, but then it got so bad. You know, there was, there was lumber yards that went down to one tenth of the size and they ended up letting go their 30 somethings and their 40 somethings. So like right now, uh, our industry, my company, our industry is a lot of uh, 50, 60 year old people. And then there's really not a lot of people in their thirties and forties. So I think if you're a young person and you come into this business and you really put your nose to the grindstone to learn about the business and be good at it. I think there's a real strong chance you'll, you'll move very quickly up the, up the ladder and you could be running a company and by the time you're 30. You talked about turnover and having to let people go after the downturn. How did you replenish all of that talent? Well, it, it was interesting that at the time during the, I was fortunate to be working for ProBuild, which was actually one of the largest companies in the industry and we were acquiring a lot of these sick companies so in a way we became the the life raft so there was a lot of qualified people that were looking for jobs that came to work for us but you all of a sudden we hit a magical or not a magical point we hit a point where call it about 2014 where people didn't just automatically come to us and if anything started leaving going to other companies and we had to start thinking about okay how are we gonna how are we gonna get people here and and a lot of people had left the industry, and someone who'd only had a couple of years of experience in the industry, and now five, six years later, they were they were they were just as inexperienced as a new person. So you really had to start bringing in uh, new people, younger people, and just start training them on the industry. How does Alexander Lumber foster professional growth and leadership development for its employees? Well, we are actively seeking. Um, that next generation to work here. And we're not biased towards youth, but we are acutely aware that I just did a chart and I think our average age here is 47. So we need to get that next generation in and we are actively training them, have them go through a training program, um, have them uh, interact with some other round tables, really trying to recognize that most of these people coming in are going to probably move into management and leadership positions pretty quick. So we're trying to have a, a, as much of a formal training process as possible, as opposed to the way it used to be when I got in the industry where they just kind of threw you behind a desk or threw you out in the yard and said, figure it out. Does Alexander Lumber go out to universities or colleges or, or any other entities to look for talent? We have not done that. We have not had to, but I recently hired a new head of HR who's got a very strong recruiting background, and she's coming up with our strategy on where we want to do that. 
We're going to look in the community colleges. We have some local here. It's a little tough to get somebody who's maybe gone to a four-year university, has a business degree, and convince them to come work in a lumberyard. Uh, usually they've got their sights set on something bigger and more glamorous. We've done very well uh, in, in currently and in prior lives at agriculture schools. We find people who grew up in a, in a rural agricultural economy do well within the lumber business. They understand the commodity issues of pricing and that. So that's an area that we tend to look if we do go to the universities. And switching gears again with a focus on NLBMDA, what made you uh, want to become an officer of NLBMDA? I think there just comes a time in your career where you feel like you got to give back and people have to step into the breach and take a leadership position and it just felt like it was my time and I was encouraged by someone that I knew. So, it, it, you know, I unfortunately had not had a lot of experience with the NLBMDA. So it was a little, little, uh, little bit of an immersion, but I've uh, been very impressed with the organization and, and what we can do. And I'm really looking forward to growing within the organization. And we appreciate you stepping up and volunteering to be part of the organization. And we look forward to your leadership. What are you most excited for when you become chair in 2020? Well, I believe the NLBMDA is evolving and we're focusing on our core mission. And I think in the next two years or year, uh, you're going to be seeing a lot of that movement towards that. And by the time I assume the chairmanship in 2020, I think we'll be fully committed to um, our course as a legislative and regulatory advocate for the for the industry on a national level and that's something that we're changing the organization and some of our meeting structures to really really fit our mission and i'm pretty excited that that'll be the first year that we'll really be able to do that that includes holding our legislative conference in the spring and our and our annual meeting at the same time that's a perfect segue why should lumber dealers attend the 2019 pro dealer industry summit at the Broadmoor Resort in Colorado Springs this fall? Well, I think they, it's good for them to understand what the NLBMDA does and how it could affect them, how important it is. It's an opportunity for them to meet a different crowd of people than maybe they've traditionally met at some of the other meetings, whether you're going to IBS or maybe you're going to one of the meetings that are sponsored by the magazines. And the other thing I would tell you is the Broadmoor is a fantastic place to go. And if you've never been there, you got to check it out. That is all the time we have for today. Thank you, Russ, for joining us this afternoon. I'm sure your thoughts on leadership will inspire many of our listeners. Don't forget to register for the Pro Dealer Industry Summit, which will be held in Colorado Springs at the renowned Broadmoor Resort from October 8th to the 10th. You can register by visiting us at ProDealer.com. For more episodes, make sure to follow Lumber Talks on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Until next time, this is Jonathan Payne.